0: This is week two of a series called The Good Shepherd, where we're kind of using Psalm 23 as a jumping-off point. And last week we dealt with a really important question, why do we need shepherds? And so I thought I would take just a second to sum up last week in just a few seconds. Why we need shepherds? It, it's pretty obvious. But maybe the bigger question for us is, what is a shepherd? Because it's not super common in our world to be driving down Broadway and see a massive pasture out to the side and a bunch of sheep with a shepherd leading them. It's not super common. maybe if you live outside of the city you see sheep and goats, but even in that context, typically they're in a pen and they are protected. And right there, self-contained is food source and water source, and they're taken care of and protected. But in this Middle Eastern culture, where it is much more of a desert climate, a shepherd was a necessity. And not only was it a necessity, it was a very common trade, a very common job that many, many different people would perform, taking care of the sheep and leading them to water. And the reason that sheep and goats are so abundant there is because they are able to survive in a really harsh climate. And they don't need a ton of water because there's not an abundant water source there. They don't need tons of grass to survive. In fact, when we hear in Psalm 23 that He leads us beside these quiet waters, He lays us down in these green pastures, that's not necessarily what we in our mind picture these abundant green pastures and flowing water. It might just be a trickling stream with runoff from the mountains. It might just be the tufts of grass that grow up on the sides of the rocks from a cool, moist breeze or from the dew of the morning sun. There was not an abundant source of water and food. And so for shepherds, it was a necessity that they knew where those tufts of grass would be. They knew where the water sources would be so that they could lead the sheep to eat and to drink, to protect the people or the sheep. But, but in Scripture, there is a connection between sheep and the people of God. And typically, we think of that as probably a good thing. We sing a song, right? I am a sheep, and the Lord is my shepherd. And we think of it as good. But typically, in Scripture, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's not good to be a sheep for the most part because there's some real important parallels between sheep and us, but just kind of going back to the whole sheep thing for a second. Sheep are, one, very dependent creatures. They they need and rely on a shepherd to survive, to protect them, to get them to food and water sources. They are... Um, and I, I used the word unintelligent. I was going to use the S word, but we have some five- and six-year-olds here who are going to get mad at me after service for using that word. So sheep are unintelligent. And, and a great example of this, just to kind of throw myself under the bus, this week I was Thursday working on this sermon. I was actually in this part of the sermon, and Kyle um, had given me a bag of pistachios that were still in the shell. And so I decided I was going to eat some, and I had gone through most of the stack of pistachios, and there was this one that wasn't fully cracked, and it was really hard to open. And so I grabbed a pair of scissors out of my desk, and I opened it up, and I'm sitting here trying to to get the shell open, and just one little slip, and the scissors are just going to jam into my hand, and we're going to need medical attention. And and it, it was funny, I looked down at my notes, and like this was the the section of my notes right here, right below my hand. And so I put the scissors down, and I threw the pistachio in the trash, and went on to another one, right. Because we, we do things like that at, at times, it's just like, I didn't really think that one through real well, right. So they're unintelligent. They are prone to wonder. Sheep will just wander off on their own, try to figure out stuff on their own. And then they can't see well. They really rely on the voice of the shepherd to lead them, to to guide them. And and as I was thinking about this this list, it's like how often does that describe my relationship with Jesus? How, How often does this describe me where I am very, very dependent on Him But because I'm unintelligent at times, I forget how much I rely on Him. And I try to do things on my own and try to make my own way and figure things out. And I find myself wandering off the path. And the problem is I don't see real well. The problem is I have to hear the sound of the voice of the shepherd calling me, directing me, guiding me. I was thinking about it because I have a bit of ADD and I struggle at times to focus. But I think all of us have like a spiritual ADD. All of us from time to time go through these moments where we're so committed to following Jesus and so committed to being with Him and in relationship with Him and spending time with Him in prayer to a point where Sometimes we go days. It's like, oh, I forgot. I've lost my way. And I need people in my life that can put me back on track. Um, There was a study that was done over the last decade or so by Microsoft. And they tried to identify the... um, attention span of human beings. And you, you've you probably seen reports of this study. But back in 2000, they said the average attention span of an adult was 12 seconds. Now, just real quickly, the way they did this, I'm not so sure it was the most scientifically advanced research. They were looking at how long people could pay attention and focus on average on a web page. So, so it's kind of probably not real accurate, but I think the point is, is pretty powerful, right? So in 2000, it was 12 seconds. In 2013, when they did this study again, they said the average attention span of a human being or adult was eight seconds. To make it even better, it, the average attention span of a goldfish they said was nine seconds. Now, I don't know how they did the research on that. No clue. But as I look at that, it reminds me so much of how I relate to Jesus. Where I can go these moments where I'm so incredibly focused on Him in His Word and His ways to moments where it's needing people to call me back and saying, hey, fix your eyes back on Jesus. Keep following Him and to renew that sight. And so David, this psalmist who I think at times loses sight, loses sight on the importance of the relationship that he has with God speaks this psalm, this, this beautiful psalm that we all know. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And you provide a table before me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I I was thinking about that psalm and thinking, you know, I don't know how well it relates to, to my life all the time. Now, there are a lot of times where I think, oh man, that's, that is the psalm, that is the psalm of my heart. But I thought I might need to rewrite one for the other days. And I, I called it maybe a more contemporary version of Psalm 23. I think one that might relate to us at times as well. I am in charge. All I do is want. I don't have time to slow down, much less lay down. The once green pastures are now parched land. The once abundant water now just muck and mire. I walk the path of least resistance, to be seen, to be known, to make a name for myself. Truth be told, dark shadows surround me with constant fear and little comfort. I have prepared my feast, but my enemies have welcomed themselves to my table. All of them. Fear, anxiety, anger, addiction, discouragement, shame, regret. All their voices drowned out all the others. Surely worry and fear will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will wander as an exile, longing for home. Because there are days of my life when Psalm 23 speaks the words of my heart. But there are also days where this is the psalm of my heart. And I so badly want the voice of the shepherd to call me back. To to let me lay down in these green pastures that might be really rocky soil. To give me a drink, maybe not out of an abundant river flowing with water, but maybe just a trickling stream off the side of a rock. That I need a shepherd To call me back to the ways of Jesus. I need a shepherd to plant my feet strongly on the foundation that is Christ. And remind me of His love. Because that is the role of the shepherd. That is the role of the good shepherd. Is to watch over the flock. To look out for them. To guide them. To keep them safe. You know, one of the ways that God does that, and we talked about this in the last series, Sex in a Broken World, is that God as a good Father gives parameters for our life. And He does that not because He doesn't want us to have joy and hope, but He does it because He loves us and He does want us to live with joy and hope. And so the Good Shepherd teaches us things. Like we want marriage and we want sex to be between one man and one woman for life. There's these parameters, these places around us that that forgiveness must be a part of our life because anger, if it is not a part of our life, anger will overtake our heart and our soul. Or, Or the Good Shepherd says things like let your Word be true. There's no need to swear by anything. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And He gives us those parameters. He gives us those as guidance to protect us, to walk with us, to shepherd us. See, last week I used this incredibly, incredibly important illustration. right? There's a difference between north and true north. And, and here's the thing. I was setting you all up for an illustration this week. Because there's times it's not just... Y'all believe that, right? There are times when it's not just north and true north. There are times we think we're going north and we're actually heading entirely the opposite direction. And so thank you to my friends who gave me a beautiful compass on stage. If I were heading north, I would know that. And I still have no idea who did this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been through all of the people I suspect. But Israel had some really bad shepherds. Israel had some really bad shepherds that continually led them astray, that continually would not take care of them. In Ezekiel 34, he kind of calls out these good shepherds. He says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Like that's their the role is to take care of the flock. You eat the curds and clothe yourself with wool and slaughter the choice animals. And then there's a really big but that comes next. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So, they were scattered. Because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. My sheep wandered over the mountains and every high hill and they were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched for them and no one looked for them. What, what was the role of the shepherd? To take care of the sheep. To protect the sheep, to guide the sheep. In Israel, shepherds completely lost sight of that. They, they completely left. And their job was not to deliver them. But it was to point them to the Deliverer. It wasn't to save them. It was to point them to the Savior. It was to help call them back in times. Because honestly, the the little contemporary psalm I wrote wasn't so much a contemporary song as it was more just a human psalm. Like, that's our world. That's our life. And it hasn't changed... That dramatically in thousands of years. It might look different now, but within the angst, the searching, the longing is just as it was then. And Jesus describes himself as this good shepherd. And he tells the disciples that he is here for a purpose to protect the sheep, to lead the sheep, to guide the sheep. And he says there's another that's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come that you would have life and you would have it to the fullest, that that you would experience this abundant, beautiful life in him. And that He would be the way, and He would be the truth, and He would be the light. And He would be the bread that gives you food. And He would be the water that sustains you. He promises to be the shepherd that takes care of His people. But His sheep so often were prone to wonder. We're prone to not be able to hear the sound of the voice of the shepherd guiding us, calling us, directing us. And so Paul, as he's traveling around to these churches, is calling out and using ministers to call out people to serve these churches as shepherds. Because the shepherds had been such an incredibly important part of the people of Israel in the history of God's people. And in Titus chapter 1, there's another circumstance where he's talking to Titus, telling him about calling men to serve. And so he says this The reason I left you, talking to Titus in Crete, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. And appoint elders, or overseers, or shepherds. The word is presbuteros in um, the Greek. Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then he goes on to say this. An elder must be blameless. Right? And that, that word to begin. An elder, a shepherd, an overseer must be blameless. Right? It says above reproach. And it's almost this idea of perfection, right? It seems almost too good, almost impossible to be there. Must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believed, and they're not open to a charge of being wild and disobedient. And what it seems is that he's trying to describe what a person, what a leader of a family, what this man should look like. And you look at the heading above it and it's going to say qualifications. But as we've talked about time and time again here at Shiloh, we don't really see these as qualifications as much as qualities. Because he doesn't go in and say, here's a complete list of everything, it's a Checklist. He's giving you the type of a man this should be. Someone who leads and loves their family well. They're not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Verse 7, since an overseer manages God's household, and he comes back to this word again, he must be blameless. it almost seems as he starts and finishes this little section this word blameless sandwiches it the rest of the description and here's here here's the problem is there's not a single person in this room that we would say oh, that person is blameless and what we think is Perfect. My, my guess is any of our shepherds here would say, "I'm not blameless." John would say he's close, <laughs> but not blameless. Right? And then he goes on to say this, not and, and these these knots that follow. Not overbearing, not quick tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. And we we, we hear these knots and, and here's here's the problem is the first two like just take most of us out, right? I mean, because most of us have been, I mean, if you've had children, I I can promise you you've lost your temper and you've probably been overbearing at times, right? I mean, that, that's all of us. And, and what we want to do is we want to hold certain people to these incredibly, incredibly high standards. And, and that is His point. I, I want the people who are going to lead and shepherd the people to be held to really, really high standards, I want you to think of people who who are are really pursuing Jesus with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength. And are they going to make mistakes from time to time? Absolutely. Are they going to have a past? Absolutely. I mean, let's just look at the knots right here. Let's think about Moses. I mean... I mean, Moses killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand to cover it up and then had to run from it. The very first shepherd of Israel. King David, right? King who slept with a woman that was not his wife, had her husband killed, was a shepherd of Israel. What what we're not looking for is the perfect person. Because if we're looking for the perfect person, we have zero to choose from in this place. What we are looking for is a certain kind of person. We're looking for patterns in their life. Is it someone who has been overbearing before? Absolutely, probably so. But is there a pattern of this? Is it someone who has a temper? Well, they, they might at times, but is it something that is a pattern? Do we continually see this? And, and so often we'll, we'll say, well, what about their, their past? Here, here's the thing. As we look at them now, is there a pattern going back of... Pop- pursuing and following Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. Are they perfect? Not even close. But are they men who are pursuing Jesus with all of their heart? Are they men who are already shepherding people and loving people well then those are the types of people we are looking to call as shepherds. What, what's so interesting is what we want it to be is this perfect person. But it's an impossibility. And something we'll never find. I remember a few years ago, I went to the doctor not too long after we moved to East Texas. And of course, like today, there was pollen everywhere. And so I went into the doctor and he said, Well, what are your, your symptoms? <clears throat> and I cleared my throat and I said, I have really bad allergies and I think I might have a sinus infection. And the doctor looked back at me and said, I think you're right. it was really interesting that the person who had the responsibility of helping me get well and figure out what was wrong with me and prescribed me medicine was suffering from the exact same thing I was. The difference is what he knew. The, The difference was how long he had been doing this. Because at no point in my mind did I say, you know what, you have the same condition I do, I'm not going to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. If you did, you wouldn't be where I am. But we are calling men to serve who have the same conditions that we do, the human condition, the problem of sin. It's been a problem since the very beginning of time. And so he goes on. As he talks about these men, and he says, Rather, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good. Who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly... To the trustworthy message. The trustworthy message he's talking about is the gospel, right? As it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So that they can stand and protect and guide and direct people who are saying, My life is broken and I'm hurting and I'm anxious and I'm depressed, and I'm not sure where to go next. To have men who can walk alongside of us and say, I've been there. See, that that was the beauty of Jesus. Because as He surrounds us and comforts us, the way that He is able to do that is because He can empathize with us because He was where we are. God became man and came down into our world to serve. To to love those who would not love Him. To walk beside those who would struggle to follow. And to continue to call them after Him. To continue to be that light in their life. We're we're not calling men who are perfect. Perfect. And the problem that we run into is there's no place to get the shepherds but from the seats. There's no place to get our pastures but from the pews. There's no place to fill the pews except from the world. As people who are human beings who struggle, walk in these doors. And God transforms their life. And changes them and remakes them in His image. And calls them and brings them up to lead and shepherd the flock. To watch over the people. People who are very dependent. People who are at times are pretty unintelligent. People who are prone to wonder. People who struggle to hear the voice of Jesus. Jesus people like me. People like you. People that we would call a shepherd. See, a shepherd or an elder is someone who can face the situations that come and respond with Christ-like wisdom and self-control. Who will love Jesus' church well, will serve His church well, and will put the needs of His church above their own needs. I think a shepherd is ultimately the one who points you to the good shepherd, who points you back to Jesus. And maybe this morning, you know, I've I've been hearing stories of people over the last couple of months who are struggling, who are battling addiction, whose marriage is on the rocks, people who are broken, who are hurting, people who are struggling to keep faith and keep moving forward, people who have gotten some really hurtful news. People who are scared or anxious or depressed. And the hope of our shepherds here is that you would lean into them and allow them to minister to you, to help you as you continue to follow Jesus. Even those times when we think we're just a couple of degrees off. Maybe even times we're pointing the entire wrong direction and don't even know it. Father, today, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're, We're so thankful that You, Father, have led the way by becoming one of us, by stepping into our world, and Father, leading. Father, once again today, help us to surrender. Help us to lay down our fears, our angst, our hurts, our addictions, At your feet. And Father, may those that you've called to lead our church point us back to Jesus. Father, we thank you. Again, we are grateful to be with you, to be in your presence, and together together in your name. And we pray this together. Amen.